Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's November 28th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. Gets you that deal that we've been talking about. It's free for seven days and just $24.95 a month after. A much better deal than you're going to get by just going on the site because it's for our podcast listeners only. Go check that out. That's Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NFL, Premium Chat, betting articles. We've been putting out betting guides three or four times a week that have been wildly successful. It's all covered in the one subscription package. DFSR.com slash deals. Gets you started. Go check it out free for seven days and we think you'll be happy with the service buddy wednesday in the nba i was sweating out a couple of bets last night DraftKings lineups get there it was weird to fade Jokic, at like a 70 percent start he stunk and still didn't get there in fanduel so it was that kind of night but for the most part um feeling good about some of the bets that went in there uh like miami under indiana with the points some knicks in the points uh feeling very good about where we're going we'll t- mention some of the bets here again yeah, i took the i took indiana plus eight and indiana money, money line and that got there even though it was a sweat in the fourth quarter but uh yeah, yeah. The, our system seems to be pretty good at figuring this kind of thing out, even though this is the first year that we're really, you know, aiming it at that in earnest. Yeah, no, it's been it's been good, and our system is built to sort of uh, suss out these Vegas lines um, and some of the money lines and points as well. So feeling good about that, and again, that's all covered under your subscription premium package too. We'll mention it's not it hasn't been typically part of our format, but we're going to try to start weaving it in uh, to more of when we talk about uh, this kind of stuff on the podcast. But we do have ten games on the slate today. Some teams coming on back to back. Some games with some uh, pretty high to- not excuse me pretty high. Uh, Point differentials, which we're going to have to talk about in terms of possible blowouts. But we'll wade through some of this stuff as we roll game by game. The Knicks go and play the Sixers. Now, the Knicks are coming on the back-to-back here. They lost last night um, to oh, geez, oh, they lost last night to Detroit. And the But the story I want to know about the Knicks here is that are we at a point now where we can just trust Enos Cantor? So it's been very difficult. Mm. To, it's been very, very difficult to trust the Knicks at all, as evidenced by... One, they're bad. So when they're bad, you just get minutes coming and going. They also just have bad defenders, which means you get foul trouble for a lot of guys. Yep. Like Vonley, that guy's just a foul waiting to happen um, when if he's if he's in rougher matchups like with Blake or uh, Andre last night. But Cantor's now on minutes of 33, 41, and 36, went 16 and 14 last night. Does it seem like we're at a point now with Cantor that we can just trust the production? I mean, he's only 6,800 on DraftKings. He's like uh, mid mid to high seven thousands on Fanduel. On Fanduel, and even I gotta tell you, eight eight thousand on Fanduel for this guy's gonna play thirty five minutes. Are we at a point now where we can just start trusting his production? And I'm recognizing this Enos Cantor, and it's also the Knicks. Yeah, so let's unpack kind of like the way we would view a situation like this if we were trying to figure out if this guy should be in our cash game lineup, right? So the first question we always want to ask ourselves is, does the team have a plan? 
right? Because there's historically been a lot of teams who just don't have a plan, right? They just right. show up and it's like, you know, the Magic historically or the Hawks or... The Kings you know, last Knicks, year. Uh, yeah. Brooklyn, you know, right. like there's teams that don't have a plan. So generally speaking, when you look at teams like that, most of the players are like, I could just not play players from this team <laughs> because, you know, if they don't know what's going to happen, there's no way I can know, right? And then from there, you can go into, well, does this team have a plan but do they have a difficult and how easy is it for them to execute on their plan? So, you know, maybe a, a tier up from the Brooklyn's of the world would be a team like Phoenix, right? Phoenix has a plan, you know, it's like just at least on the level of like Devin Booker, or DeAndre Ayton, the plan in close games is for those guys to play high 30s minutes. It's just that they're bad. So sometimes they don't get to do it, right? <laughs> so that's the tier up. And then you have, you know, a, a bigger tier above that of teams with a plan that by and large can execute on their plans. And, you know, that would be teams like Philly or, you know, even Minnesota or Milwaukee or, or you know, New Orleans. The good teams. Um, solid yeah. teams right. that can generally play their players the minutes that they plan to play them. Um, the Knicks are on, I, th- I think, towards the bottom end. Like, they're not a team with no plan at all, but it's just that a lot can go wrong in their plan. And then you get down to the player-specific level and you figure out the number of risks that a given player brings to the table just on their own right right so uh, you think about like it hasn't been this way as much now but like Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan right like they could lose minutes because of a blowout they could also lose minutes because they can't shoot free throws at the end they could also lose minutes because of foul trouble you know um, there are some guys I'm trying to think of a good example of this off the top of my head but like say you're having a terrible shooting night people can lose minutes for that as well uh, especially if you're a primary ball handler and you're young or not that good in the first place and so you know that's kind of the the general funnel that we try to bring these picks down through and Enos Kenter you know I, I think the Knicks plan is to play him and so that for starters that's going to be a good big tournament play especially on DraftKings and then you just have to try to figure out is this a game where he's very likely to get to execute on that plan as 12 and a half point underdogs it's always going to put your big men at a greater risk uh, and especially being up against some pretty imposing forces like Embiid and just multiple guys on Philly like Butler Simmons that can get into the lane it's going to be a riskier spot to play in for sure. Yeah, I, I'm struggling with the minutes here. I had him at 31. I put it at 33. That would still be the very low end of what he's played over the short term, basically since re-entering the starting lineup. Uh, he had one game in the mid-20s, and then he's been busting out of the box. I think on DraftKings, I'm willing to take the risk at 6,800. Um, just, just, this guy is just among the best fantasy points per minute guys in basketball when he plays, and it's just always been a struggle for him to play, and defense is his primary issue. And if you have to guard Embiid, who is not like Drummond. Like, Embiid will challenge you. This is the difference. Like, this is why Kander's kind of able to stay. I know we're spending a lot of time on Kander here, but, like, um, the the reason Kander's generally able to stay out of foul trouble against a guy like Drummond is they're not going to punish him in the post with a lot of just, like, down-low post moves or moving out to the outside. Embiid's a totally different animal. Foul trouble could be an issue here, and I still think, at least on, on DraftKings, I'd be willing to take the risk. Now, on the Philly side, the rest of the, the rest of these Knicks guys are very difficult to trust. Vomley's minutes come and go. Uh, THJ has been priced up too much. The other starters don't really play, so it's hard to it's hard to really hone in on that. But what about Philly? Are you worried? I mean, could you play a guy like Embiid? You know, he's not going to get much in the way of resistance from guys like Canner. And after Canner, they have nobody else. Yeah. Is he one of the guys? He doesn't hasn't really typically been the guy we've been writing up when we've been talking about the big money plays, and we have some real superstars going on this slate. But does Embiid kind of fall into that category for you? Yeah, you can play Embiid. I actually did write him up going into the Brooklyn game. And he put up a uh, game that you just about expect from Embiid these days. Uh, one thing about him is at the 11-1 price tag and averaging 53 fantasy points a game on the season, he does actually represent a pretty solid value on that price point. So like, just compare him to some of these other guys, right? Harden is 500 more 
averaging 0.7 fantasy points a game less. Giannis is a full thousand more than he is, averaging less than two more fantasy points per game better. Uh, Davis is, is kind of on Embiid's level in terms of fantasy points per dollar on the season. Uh, and then Westbrook, um, two points less and the same exact price. So right now, Embiid, if you just took the whole season, he would be the safest, between him and Davis being the safest guys on these price points. Um, so I think he's actually sort of underrated in, in terms of guys who you spend up for because it's not like there haven't been games where he hasn't lost his minutes too. You know, there's plenty of games in the 20s or low 30s, uh, games that have gotten out of hand to drag that overall average down. So I like Embiid maybe more than most. Um, great matchup with Cantor. So yeah, I could I wouldn't be disappointed if he was in my FanDuel lineups, for instance. Um, in terms, of just in real terms, in, uh, betting real quick, our system does like the Knicks covering the points, uh, one, uh, the 12 and a half points in this game. Um, one of the reasons that I found and that we've been able to sort of suss out reasons some of these bad teams are able to cover is if they have guys coming off the bench that can actually score, that actually makes a big difference um, in terms of just your overall point expectation. And they have a couple of guys like that in Dotson, Trier, and Burke. And so if you can. They don't need to be a good team, but if you have guys that can come on the second unit and actually get the ball in the basket, it does help you uh, keep those some of those games a little bit, at least a little, little bit more in range, even if, again, the Knicks are not a very good team. All right, let's keep moving here because we ended up spending a lot of time in that game. Another one with a big spread. Atlanta goes in and plays Charlotte. Charlotte, 12-point home favorites. Much has been always, always seemingly always made of Kemba Walker's home road splits. He has been... It's worth mentioning only because it is kind of borne out over the long term that Walker is much, much better at home. He gets a great matchup against an Atlanta team who is awful on defense. Uh, they are you know, 24th in the league on defense, playing at the league's fastest pace. So we we now have the Hawks kind of in that you know two years ago Suns range where we're just like they're playing the fastest pace and about the worst defense in the league. The, the Hawks do yep. represent that kind of team this year. When you see that kind of take shape, is this just the team that we want to continually stack against? Like, do we want to just play Kemba Walker at these price points, knowing that he's you know he's not like on the Russell Westbrook category of being able to pile on fantasy points, but he gets as good a matchup as you're going to get in DFS right now. He does. He's expensive. I you know on a big slate like this, it would be surprising to me if I wound up with a $9,700 Kemba Walker again, given that his minutes have been very secure and he's averaging 45 fantasy points a game this season, paying 9.7 for that. You just need to be in an otherworldly matchup. He Almost got there against Atlanta last week when they played, but even that was not quite there. Like 47 fantasy points on 9,700, you'd be pretty disappointed on that, I think, on a big slate. So I think you can take him as a big money payoff, but like you said earlier, a lot of superstars today, a lot of superstars with good matchups, and I, I don't think Walker's going to be a guy that I wind up with. The thing with Walker is, and the, the reason he kind of does fade away from cash games at times for us, is he's so scoring dependent that... And he can score, so don't get me wrong. The usage is through the roof this season. He's among the highest usage guys in the league. And he gets to the line a ton. He's getting to the lane a lot. So it's not that. It's just that un- the difference between him and, say, a guy like Westbrook, obviously, this is pretty obvious, is that Westbrook just does all the other stuff as well. Like the assists, the rebounds, they're all there. They're, he piles those on as well. Walker does not really. I mean, the assist numbers have ticked up this season, so that's good. But in general, it does feel like you're paying top price for a guy who like last game went th- went went three for twelve from the field. Now I got to the line sixteen times. I went thirteen for sixteen from the line. Um, but I, I get a little worried about paying top price for a guy who is so scoring dependent. What about the minutes on guys like Batum and Jeremy Lamb? They played decent minutes. More Lamb though, I'm thinking about here because Lamb's usage is the, about the second highest in the team. He's the team's second leading scorer. Do you this this also team? We've seen them play their starting guys like 29, 30 minutes and just kind of roll with bench guys more. How do you feel when you think about like auditing a team like the Hornets? Because they, their minutes for the starters outside of Walker, while they've been good in the short term, they do strike me as a team where the minutes can come and go. 
Yeah, Lamb's minutes are too volatile for me to want to pay 6600 for him on FanDuel. Right now, last five games, 36, 29, 35, 28, 27 minutes. Um, that's just not a predictable enough arc for me. And he can get there. He's going to be a big torn- or a good tournament play on the nights where he just gets the higher end of those minutes. And he can really... It hasn't actually played out this way, but he can absolutely hurt you on 27 minutes. Like he can really, really do damage to your lineup. So not really a risk I'd be going headlong into, even in a great matchup. Yeah, he's a little bit cheaper on DraftKings, and I think there's probably just going to be some other value there as well. He was a uh, some, you know, I'm going to call them pros, some guys that, that uh, Max enters, some double-ups did play Lamb in cash last game, and it worked out. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm a little too worried that we could see a 29-minute game out of him, and all of a sudden you're looking, you're, it's, you're getting really, really dusted on the price. And I don't think there's a lot else to consider on the Charlotte side, Batum shot, Batum, well, the minutes can be there. The guy just doesn't have any, this guy doesn't have a role in the offense at this point anymore. This is basically yeah. Lamb and Walker um, and Marvin Williams, three-pointers, and Batum, I would call Batum like the fourth option on offense at this point. It's been a sharp, a, it's sharp contrast to what we saw from him in the past, but he's just not the guy that they're trying to get the ball to, to score at all. And then Atlanta, it's just Atlanta. I mean, the, the Collins price came up. Trey Young doesn't play enough. The rest of the team sucks. I don't think we need to spend too much time uh, on this game. Uh, and then, it do, but though it does have a huge total. All right, Utah goes in and plays Brooklyn. No line on this game, but I don't really know why because I think that Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell has been reported that he is going to play. So I don't really know what else would keep this game from having a line right now. Uh, with Mitchell back, we have to bump down some of the guys that had gotten usage bumps like Ricky Rubio, uh, Joe Ingles. They have a good matchup here against Brooklyn. Um, and then what are your thoughts on Gobert? Because we know the center, centers against Brooklyn seems like a, a recipe that hasn't failed yet. But is Gobert, I don't know, it, it's still Rudy Gobert. And he's like not exactly cheap. What are your thoughts here on the Jazz? Yeah, I well, I, you summed up a lot of my thoughts right away. Uh, Mitchell coming back is going to be a drag on a lot of these guys' production. And that's not a great thing. One thing I will point out, though, is that in those games Mitchell was out, the, uh, the Jazz were involved in back-to-back blowouts. They blew out Sacramento, and then they just somehow got crushed by Indiana. <laughs> so I think if you're looking at it from that perspective, you you didn't see as much of a price increase as you might have otherwise. And I think the plan on Gobert is still for him to play you know, 33 to 35 minutes a game. It's just that they played so many unusual game scripts that it's uh, hard to say what the real plan is <laughs> because, yeah, a lot of pieces have been coming and going. But nonetheless, I, I think he's still... Definitely affordable. I can understand why people wouldn't want to see that name in the lineup because we've been burned by it a couple times now, especially in great matchups. And even like that Sacramento game, you know, Vegas projected that to be a two-point game and it just wound up being a 25-point game. So a lot of people were pretty disappointed there. But yeah, I I think there's still value here. I think Gobert, I think Ingles as well. Uh, People generally underrate the fact that the plan is to play him 35 minutes and even with Mitchell back, keeping in mind that Mitchell coming off a ribs injury, he might not just walk right back in here and be able to just take right back over. So I, I'm i cautiously optimistic on specifically Ingles and Gobert while probably passing on the rest of the team. And just to make note about some of these numbers for centers this season, um, against them, Brooklyn so far is allowing something like 33% more scoring than league average and like 40% more rebounding than league average. These numbers are insane. And those are, by the way, the, the, uh, we haven't regressed to like 15 and 20, which is like still way more than you ever really want to see on any kind of multipliers, even when you're only lightly using those kind of stats. But it's really just does stand. I'm mostly pointing it out to me to just point out that it stands out so much that Brooklyn has nothing to slow down any big men. Like they just, you know, the Jared Allen, RHJ, Ed Davis kind of grouping is a real problem. Now, Gobert, 
the problem with Gobert is he's just not a traditional like low post scorer. He's going to re- require getting putbacks. He's going to require just piling on rebounds. And that's my only little concern with him is that like, yes, Brooklyn's been bad, and this is not exactly like the center archetype that I also want to play against them. You know, I like it was sort of like when we played DeAndre Jordan against them the other day. It's very similar in that way, like in the way, in the way that they score fantasy points. Like they're going to need to rely on these other things happening. So I think I'm going to do it. I get why the system loves it, and unlike. You know, when we were like, Hassan Whiteside, let's do this thing. This is the easiest call ever. This one doesn't feel as locked up to me uh, as those other ones. All right. Another game with a huge spread. Cleveland goes in and plays OKC. The Thunder are 12 and a half, point, uh, 12 and a half uh, home favorites over the Cavs. Let's start with Westbrook. So the Cavs are another one of these teams. Terrible in defense. They do play a little slower pace this season. Their, their pace is not very fast. They're just kind of a very plodding, methodical team that also can't play any defense. Right now, when you run lineups on our site, Westbrook is coming, I think, in all the DraftKings lineup, and he was coming in FanDuel lineup. Actually, something changed. Earlier when I ran these, Westbrook was one of the big money guys' uh, payoffs. Could you see him being the guy on a night with Davis, Harden, uh, Giannis, all these other guys? Could Westbrook be the guy that you would want to roll out as as your top end, just like salary salary dude, like knowing, I don't know, that there could be some blowout risk. <laughs> Top end salary Yeah, dude. you know, I was struggling Come to think about what I was like, how I wanted to label these guys, and I kind of, I knew I was getting caught there, but thanks for pointing out my mistake. Keep going. What, yeah, what, what are your thoughts buddy. on Westbrook? I'd rather not, honestly, on Westbrook. I think it's fine. I don't think it'll, it won't be a disaster. The floor is going to be as high for Westbrook as it is for anyone else. Cleveland playing the second worst defense on the season. The big issue is that Cleveland is just so plotting and terrible that they have trouble getting the ball up and down the court. They've been playing the third slowest pace in the league, and that number is pushing down as the season progresses. So I said Cleveland's one of these, yeah, reasonable high floor matchups, but not one you probably should be overexcited about. And for a guy like Westbrook, you know, that I guess he's he's it's tricky because he is the type of guy that can drive the pace on his own. So I don't want to discount that. But twelve and a half point favorites, you know, significant blowout risk. By the way, Almost all these stars are in games with significant blowout risk, oh, yeah. so we, we might just ultimately... like I, I, This is just such a polarized night. It's actually pretty incredible. Maybe I'll jump into this in a second, but yeah, Westbrook, I, I guess playable on the floor, but not some not something I would look at and be like, oh, geez, I don't have Westbrook. If he's a 50% start in cash, I'm screwed. So the, the Westbrook thing is, one reason I do like him here is I think he's actually a little cheap. He's coming a little cheaper than he should be. Because while his other stats have been there, the scoring really hasn't been there since he came back. He's been back for four games now after an extended absence. Part of it was injury. Part of it was the birth of a I think he had twin. So he was sat out two game or a game or two because of that as well. Um, now the scoring for him, he's never going to be a good three point shooter, but he's been particularly bad this year. He's something like fifteen or sixteen percent from three, where he's typically a thirty one percent shooter for his career. So again, not good. But if you're taking six three pointers a game and running bad on those. That is going to drive the scoring down just a little bit. Um, yeah, so that would be worth about, right now on his career averages, that's worth about one and a half fantasy points a game. Makes a difference. Um, and now, it doesn't Career make... best in field goal percentage otherwise, by the way. Yeah, but sh- sure, but but the the ones that pile on the most points, he's not. <laughs> he's running the worst. But that, that field goal percentage accounts for all shots taken, right? So you could give him an extra, even if you gave him an extra one and a half points. I guess my point is he's probably running hot on his field goal percentage from twos. Unless you think that there's something fundamental that's improved about him in the 12th year in the NBA or whatever. Fair enough. Um, I think I have him 
so he's we have him as the third highest overall point scorer tonight after Harden and Giannis. Um, now, point guard is a, a position with a lot of depth, and I think that would be the reason you could probably get away from him because there are we mentioned Kemba, we're gonna get the John Wall in a second. Um, there are some other and DraftKings that so all these other guys are, are point guard eligible, so you don't really need to jam him in. Um, and I still think that we're buying a little low on his price because of I think there is some more scoring to come. I think we just haven't seen like that top end Westbrook game yet. And not to say this is going to be the one, but it, this team plays absolutely no defense. So if you're going to if you're going to pile it on, maybe the pace won't be there, but the I don't know the Matador like defense to the rim should be there for Westbrook on the Cleveland side. Uh, we've actually seen bigger minutes out of their starters in the short term. They did start Larry Dave Nwaba sat out the other day. I don't know if he's going to be back today, but uh, Nance did draw the start. That was against a team with more traditional bigs in uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Taj Gibson. So I don't know what the plan would be in this game because the Jeremy Grant, Steven Adams doesn't really line up exactly the same way uh, as that Minnesota game. But guys like Hood played a lot. Osmond would have played a lot, got in foul trouble. I think the plan is still to play him high 30s minutes. He's a guy that needs every single minute to hit fantasy value. But like Nance, <laughs> Nance Hood, specific, I guess I'm looking mostly at Nance, Hood, and Osmond here in terms of we know there's some blowout risk, but Cleveland has played pretty tight rotations in the short term. Could we be staring down a situation of playing some of these guys in cash? I mean, yeah. so they're created differently in my mind. I would say in order, I think Osman probably, yeah, Osman and then Hood and Nance are kind of like tied in my mind. I would be cautious about throwing out the tight rotations label, especially on a guy like Nance, who literally more than doubled his minutes from Houston to Minnesota, understanding that there was some context there with the Nawaba news. I... They're thirteen point underdogs. Like, <laughs> she's I. Not that it's impossible, and you'd be like lighting money on fire by playing these guys. But like right now, I'm seeing that we have multiple Cavs oh, yeah. in both our FanDuel and DraftKings lineups, and I can't say that I feel too excited about it. I guess I like it a little bit more on DraftKings, where he's forty six hundred. Like that seems like a pretty affordable price, and really, it just comes down to the answering the question for yourself. How likely are these guys to lose minutes in what looks like it will be a blowout? Because in recent blowouts, they've lost some minutes. Hood, 25 minutes. Like I said, Nance, 18. Even Osmond will get down to 30 or below. At 23 against Houston. He played only 30 against Minnesota, understanding that there was foul trouble. But also understanding that foul trouble probably also buoyed the opportunity for guys like Hood and Nance. So, I don't know, man. I uh, I hear what you're saying, but... I still feel like this is a team with a plan that's going to have a hard time following their plan. So, okay, um, I was wrong about something. I, I, I thought he was questionable. Nance, excuse me, Nwaba is already labeled out for this game. So we know that that's going to be the case. Now, if you heard that Nance was starting, I think if, if Nance is starting again, I think it's, especially on FanDuel, where power forward is already such a train wreck, I do think it's kind of hard to get away from his, what he could potentially do on like a minutes floor at 6,000. That, that mostly ends up being like a positional issue. Um, but if you knew that Nance was starting again, would with this kind of with this team the other, the other thing too is they're just they've had so much injury issues that their bench like they don't even have guys they want to bring in off the bench they have Corver and Clarkson they don't want to play Fry at all that has been clear like that guy is not playing George Hill is still hurt uh Zizek is not guy they want to play at all and Andrew Harrison is not these are just aren't guys they're they're so injured and these are other guys even with the even in like moderately close games they don't want to play these guys I, th- I guess that's where I feel a little bit safer I think in terms of in terms of just overall confidence i would say i probably feel most confident in hood just because he can score and then i probably go nance and then osman i probably eh, never mind i go nance and hood tied and then osman a, a tick below if all three of these guys showed up in the fan lineup i would not 
be totally averse to it because I do think the minutes are. <laughs> I, I, it sounds crazy to say, but I think the minute I do, I'm I feel pretty confident with the minutes, and I can't believe I'm saying that about the cast. Well, right? here, so here's one thing to observe about tonight, and this is probably a worthwhile time to point it out. It's going to be hard to avoid blowouts altogether tonight Correct. and still play good players. So right now, this is this is actually crazy. Five of the ten games have a twelve point spread or higher. Yeah, five. Of the, half of the games have a twelve-point spread. Doug. That's totally ridiculous. And some of these other games, you know, are going to feature like you can really only play one half of the Jazz Nets game. You're probably not going to want to play the Magic Trailblazer game. Like, there's a lot. There's not a lot to be excited about, unfortunately. Like these fast teams are in blowouts, and the slow teams are playing each other. So, yeah. Yeah, you're going to make some concessions tonight one way or the other. And I think, like I said, I, mostly it's that power forward is such a disaster on FanDuel that Nance, if he's going to play 31 minutes at 6,000, you just kind of plug your nose, deal with it, and say, I just hope that he doesn't get too much foul trouble, and I hope that he can just do enough around the perfect zeal so this doesn't score a ton either, right? Another game with a big spread, Milwaukee uh, hosting the Bulls, 14.5-point favorites for Giannis and the Bucks. Um, I did write up Giannis, and I wrote up Bledsoe as well. These are guys that the Bucks plan when the, when they are playing close games. The starters are going to play a lot of minutes, and the Bucks have been involved in, in just an insane amount of blots this season. They just, they blow everybody out. They're so good um, that they, that they just they get running downhill. You can't stop Giannis. They have they're they're very smart about the rotations about keeping you know three of these guys on the court at, at, some, at some point. You know just not getting them. <laughs> Basically, they just continue the onslaught the entire game. And when they play 35-plus minutes, they're as good as you can get in, ter- in terms of their price points. How comfortable would you feel rolling these guys? Like, we're looking at a night where we just kind of set guys. Like, do we just set every team at what we think a close game's worth of minutes would be and call it a day just because there's so many of these games? Because this has been kind and of a Try theme. not to be in the position of guessing which game's actually going to end in a blowout. That's yeah, what I mean. Be... Like, there's so many of them, you know, that I just don't know at what point we just say, look, we just need to set their baseline expectation on close games. There's so many of these, and we're just going to roll, and we're going to look to try to fade a blood. Is that what we're going to do? Because if, if we do that, then Giannis and guys like Bledsoe are going to be in the top lineups. I don't think that's crazy. I think with Giannis, I mean, we have one game. They played Chicago earlier this season with very similar personnel, healthy, etc. And it was a blowout, and Giannis only played 31 minutes. So that's it's, But it's one data point, so I'm not sure exactly uh, what you want to do with that. I also, just looking up and down at this recently... The Bucks' last three games have all been close. Two of those were against decent teams. One was against Phoenix, where they lost. So, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's. I, I don't. I can't do this in every single game. You're going to probably have to pay up for one of these guys. I'm going to spend today because I'm in the system tonight, or I'm the one kind of you know being the the main driver of the system for tonight's lineups. I'm going to try and figure out which of these teams are actually more likely to participate in blowouts based on these spreads. And try to play it from there. Because, yeah, Giannis, he's a good play. There's not a whole lot to say other than he's a great play if he plays his minutes. And he could be a pretty bad play if he doesn't. So, well, so I, let me, let me that's my take on this whole game. Both sides. Same thing with Chicago. Like Jawari Parker. You can play him if you think the game's going to be close. And if it's not, then he's going to be terrible. So. Let me let me sum that up actually real quick. Because I'll, I'll tell you what our system thinks are the games that will be in blowouts. And I'm saying these are the teams that our system thinks will cover these insane spreads. Uh, and then we'll move on to the next game. We have Milwaukee at minus 14. We have them up by 20. So that would say that game is headed toward, according to our system, that game is headed toward a blowout. The other one like that is OKC, 13-point favorite. We have them up by 21. Now, some of this probably needs some finagling, but the fact that it's sitting in these ranges already uh, means that if we're going to use, if we need something to kind of market, um, these two these two numbers would say that Milwaukee and OKC are the teams most likely headed for a blowout, whereas like Charlotte, Philly, 
uh, what's the other one? Charlotte, Philly, and we're gonna get to the Clippers. Clippers. The Clippers later are we have them coming underneath the points. We have the you know we have the the road teams covering. So I don't know if that's a good a good way to start the process, but that if that's the case, then we do see. No, I think that's a good place to jump off from. Yeah, yeah, I do. See, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and OKC would be the trouble points. Um, and you and I can probably talk about Aaron Air if that's how we want to start using uh, that as a way to make, make judgments about what we do with teams' minutes. Washington and New Orleans plays in the game with the highest over under the day at 241. And we are getting – okay, so let's start with Washington. With Dwight Howard is going to remain out. Uh, he's already been listed out for this game. They, they're they coming off a game where they played an overtime win against Houston that where they had a pretty epic come from behind. We're able to stave off Harden and Gordon. Um, we saw 50 minutes out of Bradley Beal. The game only had 53 total minutes to have played in that, and <laughs> Beal played 50 of them. Seems uh, good. And not, even Scotty Brooks said that's too many minutes. Now it's like he was like, "That's too many well, minutes." And I'm is. like, wow. "I'm like, homeboy, you're the coach." Yeah, like he's like, "That's just too many minutes for this guy to play." What are we doing? You're like, "That was too many minutes." Aren't you the one well, that makes those decisions? What's like, going what? on out there? Why is <laughs> I got playing so many minutes? <laughs> We're supposed to be keeping track of this thing, guys. Um, like so, Beal. So. Beal has been a guy that they've played 40 or more minutes the last three or some, some games. He's playing a ton. They have said they want to get him some rest. I don't, they've said this in the past and never done it, and then he's gotten hurt. Um, where do we want to set guys like Beal's minutes at? Wall does not seem like he has the same kind of minutes upside, and I still kind of like the matchup here against New Orleans. And then we can talk about Davis going the other way because this is another situation where it sure seems like we're going to want to pay up for this game. And our system's like not exactly calling out every player from this uh, as we're talking right now at 945 in the morning. Yeah, I think this is a great game. I This is the kind of game on a slate like today that you probably do want to prioritize. And if you have to give up a little bit of you know, absolute equity for the far higher likelihood that this game stays close, especially given that it has the highest total on the slate, this is, a, yeah, just like I said, if it's close between Giannis and Brow, if it's close between Wall and Westbrook in terms of just not raw fantasy points, but whether they should be in our lineups, um, yeah, I would, I would certainly want to prioritize this game. I'm a little worried that our projection on Davis is a little bit low right now. I'm not sure what's driving that. It's if it's like a Washington thing. They're not they're not particularly great on defense. Um, they probably get a, seem low. Yeah. they get a little bit worse with uh, without Howard though. It probably helps them match up a little bit more with Davis to just go bigger, like at the wings, give up a little size, but get some more athleticism with Davis than it is to like kind of cover him with with uh, with Dwight down there. So I'm not exactly sure, but I'm it's striking me that his projection is is looking a little bit low. For, um, for what we probably can expect. So I'll take a look at that as we go. But we're also just getting, we're also in terms of just pricing, we're getting him at peak price. Like he's 12.5. He's the most expensive player on the slate. And at a power forward position that's tough to roster, is he, like would he represent, like, forget our projection aside, which I think there's something kind of funky going on with it. Um, that aside, would he be the guy you'd feel comfortable going in over like Giannis and Westbrook, just knowing what, what Davis can do on a game-to-game basis? I think I would. Um, Davis brings a lot to the table these days. I know that you know the Anthony Davis leaving the game for an injury meme is alive and well. Have, oh, yeah. It just happened last week against New York. Um, I think in a normal game, you can expect him to play 40 minutes. That's a great uh, thing in his favor. The Pelicans will stretch that even in games that are like not as close. Like other teams, like you'll see this. Even the Bucks do this, where if the game is like kind of not close, they're going to see what's happening in the beginning of the fourth quarter where the Pelicans are like, oh, we're up by 11. Get back out there, brah. Like, you're, yeah. <laughs> you don't get two extra minutes off. Get in the game. We're going to see what happens here. So, yeah, I like Davis a lot. I think uh, I'm actually very bullish on the matchup with Markeith. I don't see anything to worry about there, personally. Um, and with no Dwight, I, you know, I wonder if some of that, like Dwight actually being a good defender, 
if that was driving down some of our projection, you know, the DVP stuff with Washington. But one way or the other, I'm, I'm totally fine on Davis here. Relative to one thing I just noticed is relative to the other stars, we are a li- we're a little bit low on Davis's minutes, and that was I'm realizing that was because he was coming back from the game where he had sat out, and we had kind of set him right, a little right, low right. Um, to be a little bearish, knowing that he was coming back from injury, especially <clears throat> when he was coming back sure. in, uh, not kind of knowing. The rest of the Pelicans kind of priced correctly. They are going to always be a little bit high. The more Davis sits out, the more guys like Drew Holiday and Miritich and guys like this are just going to have their prices drive up because they get so much usage with Davis off the court that um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to find value. Even if like Davis were to sit, I think we'd probably still find it, and it's still kind of hard to find value on some of these guys just because they have played enough minutes this season without Davis. Uh, and like I said, just going back to the, the Wiz real quick, I do still like Wall. I like the minutes upside on Beal. Uh, Markeith is coming off the bench, but has played a lot. He's a guy that if he get if he comes in off the bench and is effective quickly, then he's going to play the whole game. And if he comes in off the bench and just starts hacking away and just chucking up bad threes, then you're going to see the end yeah. of him. That's the only thing you need to worry about, Markeith. I know people want to dream on him on a game-to-game basis, especially a power forward. That's very difficult to fill on FanDuel. Uh, and I would just caution you that 6,500 for him, he can play 25 minutes because if it's not going right for him, it goes real bad, and that's the end of his run, especially coming off the bench. Whenever you're coming off the bench, it's a particular issue. All right, San Antonio goes in and plays the Timberwolves. Timberwolves, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, our system has been very bullish on the Spurs so far this year. Now, they have said that one thing that's a little concerning to me is that Pop has said that Aldridge and DeRozan have been playing too much lately, and we've seen a slight minutes drop-off for both of those guys in the short term. That's coming on the comments. When you hear comments like that, and especially out of smart analytic teams like the Spurs, is it okay to be a little bearish on their minutes? This is not a bad matchup against Minnesota, but is it okay to maybe just tick the minutes down a little bit, knowing that the plan might not just be to run these guys just insane run like they did in the early in the season? Yeah, I think so. And I think you're also paying big prices for these guys anyway. So you'd have to be, you know, the Spurs are already in a position where you really only want to play them in the best matchups. So any additional context that takes away from that basically makes me want to cross them off my list. Yep, uh, and I think I'm I'm probably there with Minnesota too. This is just not a good matchup against. Yeah, just coming back the other way. No yeah, in terms of just in terms of all the other kind of value high scoring games that we're getting on this slate, uh, this one has a two seventeen over under, which outside of OKC Cleveland, and that's mostly coming off the Cleveland side. This is the lowest over under of the teams mm-hmm. that are reporting, and I can't imagine, imagine that Dallas and Houston is going to be under. Uh, there's no line in this game as we wait on Chris Paul news. I do not think Chris Paul is going to play. They had said originally that the note on him was that he was sitting out because of leg soreness. But then the last injury report mentioned something about his hamstring. And the reason that's concerning is because those hamstrings are, have been an issue for him. It was particularly the issue in the conference finals last year. The injury that kept him out for the last two games was a hamstring issue. And if that has flared back up, um, I would be real surprised if they rushed him back. So there's a chance we don't have this news by 8 o'clock, but I do think we will. I think he's going – if I'm guessing now at 10 o'clock in the morning, I my guess is they're going to rule him out sometime during the day. And if they do that, are we just looking at another – 40-minute game each for guys like Harden and Gordon. We've seen the Rockets without Paul and with all their offseason moves, you know, bringing in Melo and then cutting him, getting rid of Ariza, getting rid of Baba Mute, um, who's like, that's that one's a little, bit, a little bit less. They have their, their personnel out to Harden and, and Gordon, is, and, and Capella is, is really bad. I, like, I don't, there's just no other way to put it. Gerald Green is still kind of banged up. I mean, do we just jam these two guys in? Their prices have come up. Gordon's still pretty cheap, um, but without, with, um, especially on DraftKings. But would these just be the two guys to jam in without uh, without Chris Paul? There's a lot of crazy decisions being made about the big Well, money first guys. of all, yeah, you're going to definitely play Eric Gordon, I would say. I, it continues to amaze me that people that sign up for our website are concerned about playing him. Uh, they were worried about him in the Cleveland game. He went off. He just went out and did it again against Washington the following or two nights later. He's scoring dependent, but... 
on a team with no one that can score, being scoring dependent is not so bad. So I right. think he's still cheap on drafting. He's 5500 on FanDuel, and it's a criminally low price by my estimation. So, yeah, you're going to wait on the Paul news. If Paul plays, you don't play any of the Rockets. But if he's out, then both those guys get the green light for sure. Yeah, he played for, this Gordon played 43 minutes in that overtime game against Washington. So 39, uh, excuse me, 38 in regulation. Put up 23 shots. Again, he has to score. He had 36 points. Two assists, two rebounds in 43 minutes on the court. He's just not going to do the other things. Now, the rebounds um, are probably, actually, I was going to say they're pretty low, low but they're not. Um, the assistant rebound, this is where he is. The guy just doesn't do anything else except for shoot threes, uh, and he has to make them. But the minutes floor is so high, and the scoring dependency is what does has kept the price low. So I think I'm fine on Gordon. Harden is going to be close. He's basically in that group with all these other guys who are all just fall into good matchups. I do think you know you run a little bit less blowout risk in this game against Dallas. So maybe that's the thing that pushes his minutes up to 40, and I think we could probably feel pretty safe on this. I, I don't mind another game out of P.J. Tucker if they're shorthanded. They've had to roll him for 40-plus minutes. He's still only 4,300, another guy that kind of has to hit threes, and you're hoping he's going to pick up some blocks and steals and maybe a rebound mm-hmm. here and there. Um, he, he's another guy. He needs all 40 minutes to get there in 4,500 bucks. It's crazy the way, the way, the way these guys play, but um, I wouldn't mind playing him. Now, with Dallas, the news we're going to wait on for them is that Dennis Smith right now is questionable. He did not play last game. We saw minutes out of J.J. Bray, even off the bench. Um, if Will we be locked in locked in on Bray again? And you know, people talk to themselves in the Donkic and some of these other uh, kind of side plays. But guys like Donkic, but specifically Berea, where would we stand on them if Dennis Smith was ruled out? Yeah, we're all over Berea. Uh, the price has come up only a little bit. Still cheap enough. He's just such a high-volume guy. He just has the ball in his hands constantly when he's out on the court, and I actually think we haven't totally seen the minutes upside yet on him. So I uh, definitely would want to do that. Donkic himself, uh, he missed practice yesterday due to an illness. Uh, unclear if that's like the NBA flu or a real sickness, but he's currently listed as a game-time decision too. So it just seems like there's a lot that we're going to need to keep an eye on for this game tonight. Yep, this is the news. This is the piece of news that we'll be waiting to monitor throughout the day for this game specifically. And like I said, this this Harden thing just falls into... It's one of these crazy things. Any of these big money guys that we've mentioned so far would be e- pretty easy plays on just about any other slate where there just wasn't six of them or whatever. <laughs> They're just, yeah, they, all ha- they all just happen to be falling on the same day. The, another game that has no line right now is Orlando and Portland. The reason we're waiting on this is because Aaron Gordon left the game early last night for uh, for the match. Was last night or two nights ago? Gee, I'm getting so confused. Anyway, he left their last game early uh, with an injury, and he is questionable right now. Without Gordon, Gordon's a decently high volume shooter in this offense. How much would we want to tick up guys like Vuzevic? Has been amazing this year. Uh, he's been just awesome on a yeah. fantasy on a fantasy basis. How much do we want to tick up his usage if Gordon was not on the court? And then I think we could probably see a start and big minutes out of Jonathan Isaac if Gordon wasn't the wasn't the play. And I'm just not sure we're going to have the news in time. So uh, thoughts here on the Magic, specifically if, if they don't have Gordon. If they have Gordon, I'm not really interested. But where would you land maybe on some of these guys if Aaron Gordon did sit out? Yeah, I mean, it's so you're, you're obviously redistributing a decent number of minutes uh, and shots. I, without having it open, I can't run the query in my mind of exactly where those shots go. So you have to tune back into our system to get a really clear picture on that. Um, the tricky thing with Orlando has been recently it just hasn't really mattered who has gotten the shots everyone's been bad except for Vucevic and maybe DJ Augustine so I think that those guys will be the main two that I would be looking at I think Isaac it's kind of interesting because you know on one hand he checks the box of a guy who's already playing minutes so like if you heard that he was going to play more minutes with Gordon being out then I think he'd be intrigued but he can just be on the court doing absolutely nothing on this team too so I don't know that it would be like a slam dunk for me if I heard that he was going to play 
I don't know, 32 minutes or something like that. I don't know that I would be rushing out to pick up all my Jonathan Isaac shares. Maybe that's wrong. Um, you know, certainly he's shown flashes this season, like especially when he goes off from three or is, is shooting the ball well, but um, not a guy I would be super, super thrilled about playing because I would imagine that Gordon coming out also would push this line even further in Portland's favor. So, yeah, just, I, again, I, one I have to keep an eye on. One uh, one interesting stat before we get to the last game, relative percent, relative percent index, RPI, which kind of judges a team based on who they played this year and how they played. Orlando, 13th best team in basketball. ahead of teams like the Lakers in Houston, Minnesota. I know it's early to say it, but they've been better than I think a lot of people expected them to be, and mostly that's because Vooch and Terrence Ross has been shooting the lights out uh, off right. the bench. So if you want a high upside volume score, maybe, maybe Ross is there coming a little bit cheaper. All right, final game. Suns go in and play the Clippers. Clippers, 12-point favorites here. Um, good matchup here against the Suns. Clippers have been a very good team this season. Uh, they're, they're tough to deal with on the defensive end. They're bringing guys like Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell off the bench that are just – that's about two of the best bench guys in all of basketball. Probably is the best double bench tandem like in, in basketball for the, uh, a second unit. And they're all just kind of getting a little bit expensive, it seems like, because – They've just had such consistent production. On a game, they have a very high over-under, but are we just are we too close to max prices for guys like the Clippers? Yeah, probably. I think I wrote about this a few nights ago when power forward was really tough, but Harrell and Harris are both like reasonable plays on this price point, kind of, in the perfect matchup, but it can definitely go wrong for you as well. And, and basically, especially in Harrell's case, like he's so foul-prone that like if you're going to get a guy who's normal – minutes are already 31 and he's 8300 yep. that you're basically saying okay this guy's a points per minute beast and in the case of Harrell that's been true this season but with the fouls like that can go down to 27 in a heartbeat and all of a sudden you're like really really disappointed that you had Montrezl Harrell on your team so and then outside of those guys you know even guys like Gallo they're kind of expensive too I don't know it's and the game has a big total. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to really sit with this and try to figure out again. I want to go back and look at, I don't want to hedge too much. I've been hedging this whole podcast, but it's a really, really uncertain night in a lot of ways. And it's going to just require further study. I think if we look at this game and this, this seems like a game less likely to be a blowout than some of those other ones, then I'm a little bit more interested. Um, I think there's still value on a guy like Avery Bradley, for instance. Oh, yeah. I think for, he's just totally free. He's the real plan for him is to play 32 minutes and he's the minimum price essentially on Fandle so I'm happily to, I'm happy to play Avery Bradley regardless, <clears throat> excuse me regardless of the game script but uh yeah unfortunately on those big name guys probably just a little bit out of my price range yep I, I good job mentioning Avery Bradley because I'm sort of in this in the new Fandle world order where you want to drop prices and you want to just get those min guys in there he represents actually the perfect right. guy to have in there just because the minutes are high doesn't need to do a ton won't d- unlikely to kill you and very good matchup. Final note, uh, RPI-wise, um, Clippers, second-best team in basketball this year. Milwaukee, Clippers, then Toronto. They've been very, very good. Um, they just And I, part of that is because they just bring these guys in off the bench. Um, they have a good starting lineup. They're good on defense, and they just have two guys off the bench that can just can totally, utterly destroy your second unit. We're going to get out of here. Uh, DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com slash N, excuse me, not slash NBA, slash deals. You don't want to pay the NBA, the slash NBA price. No. You want to play the slash deals price. Uh, free for seven days, and then just twenty four ninety five a month gets you access to our premium chat. Uh, and more importantly, our optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NFL. It's all covered under one sub package. So DFSR.com slash deals. We'll be back again Friday talking more basketball. Buddy, enjoy your night, your Wednesday night in the NBA. Can't wait.
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.